0: Welcome to Larpender Life, the podcast about HP St. Paul in the '80s and '90s. I'm your host, Dave Carey.
1: Hopefully, the statute of limitations has run out on some of this, and they're like, "Okay, you know what's going on." She says, "The FBI is here." When I, th- I think about the, the HP way, I, the first thing that jumps into my mind, Dave,
0: is, is Jack Wambach. This is Episode 9, and my guest today is John Proctor. John spent nine years as a CE and later became a CE manager and an Easter Bunny. If you missed any of the previous episodes, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts. And please reach out to me with any feedback you have at LarpenterLife at gmail.com. And now, here's my discussion with John. Welcome, everybody. Well, my guest today is Mr. John Proctor. John, thanks very much for joining me here on Larpenter Life today. You bet, Dave. I'm glad to be here. John, I know like me, you started at HP really right out of school. It was your first real job. How long has it been? And do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure.
1: It actually uh, has been uh, 36 years this July since I was hired. I was hired back in 85. And how I came to HP was like so many others that uh, were in the HP Larpenter office and many others. Uh, we all came through the DeVry chain and there were several different Devries. But that was the big recruiting school for HP. So I was a, a young 21-year-old, uh, graduated in '85, and and at that time they had the on-campus interviews. And if you did the on-campus one and you passed the test, then they brought you over to Naperville, and then if you you know passed the test, and then it just kept advancing. Uh, I was fortunate to uh, interview with uh, Tom Smansky. He had me come fly back out to. Uh, St. Paul for a second interview. and from there it was history. got uh, by the time I got back to flying back to Chicago, uh, there's a in, uh, offer on the answering machine. So it's been uh, HP since then. I've really I've only had one job since graduation. so I'm kind of unique. Not too many people can say that. I'm pretty proud of that.
0: Yeah, you know what? I feel the same way. That's the way I was. I started out of school, didn't know anything really didn't have a clue until I had been with HP just a little while of how lucky I actually was uh, to get the job. And uh, so, hey, congrats on the 36 years. And you're still there. We'll talk about that later. But what a fantastic career. Do you feel pretty fortunate too, John, with the way it all worked out? Oh, absolutely.
1: You know, it's, you know, you, you wonder what things are like on the other side of the fence. I know there's been a lot of employees that have gone for the greener pastures, and it's amazing how many people have actually found that the grass isn't always all that green on the other side and come back. Um, in fact, you know, I'm lucky, man. I got a great team uh, that's uh, working for me. Uh, a lot of these folks uh, are LARPENER people that are on my team, and, and they're fantastic, right? I've got such a, a great squad. Um, folks like Greg Fields, uh, Kelly Dewar, uh, Vicki Nally, which who is now Vicki Barons, right? Uh, Glenn Claver, Sean Jones, and Tom Wittenberg actually left and he came back and he's working for me again. So I got a lot of these team uh, folks from the Larpenter office that, that are still on my uh, mission critical team. And it's, it's fantastic uh, to have people. I, I did a, a report one time, Dave, and the seniority on my team on average was uh, over 27 years for uh, everybody. And that includes a lot of new hires.
0: That's amazing. And you know, when I hear you, na- uh, you know, name off all those CE uh, or support people, every one of them has saved my bacon at some point <laughs> <laughs> during my career. And I'm sure a lot of people listening. So definitely a big thanks to you and your team. And so support has obviously been an area that's been where you've spent your entire career. Uh, what is it about support that, you, that attracted you and, and that you enjoy?
1: Well, it's it's funny because when I graduated, um, I graduated with an electronic engineering and technology uh, bachelor's, and I thought I was going to be doing something totally different, right? So when I came into HP and realized that they had hired me to, you know, go fix computers, it's like, well, that's cool. You know, I like doing stuff with my hands, and you know, it, it turns out that you know that gig is really, you know, it turned out to be a great fit for me personally. Um, I like to think it's, you know, one of the best jobs there you get to, you know, meet people, you got a strong team, uh, you get to go out and see different customers every day, right? It wasn't like a sales rep where you have your assigned customers, right? You don't know who you're going to go see that particular day, you know, pager goes off and you go, you know, pick up the parts from the kit room and go fix whatever's broken. You know, it was really exciting when, uh, you even got that, the, the first cell phone. That was when I knew I made it to the big league, right? It's, uh that it was about the size of a small loaf of bread. I don't know if you guys had one in, in your role, but it was the, the big black bag phone. And you'd pass that from, you know, that was for when we were on standby and you'd pass that around from employee to employee. And uh, boy, you were, you, you know, driving around with that thing sitting on your seat. You, you thought you were some uh, pretty good stuff there.
0: Can you think of some remembrances from your days doing service calls, John? hopefully the statute of limitations has run
1: out on some of this but um, being a single guy uh, i did a lot of of south dakota north dakota trips to the air force bases and the one that i kind of remember first and foremost is uh, it was uh right before it was towards the end of june and i had to go out to the uh south dakota rabbit city air force base and as uh, people heard i was going i remember greg ludisher he says hey doc he says pick me up some M80s while you're out there because fireworks were, were legal in South Dakota. So I'm like, okay, I can do that for you. And then it just snowballed and, and people kept coming up to me and, and I had like pages of, of a <laughs> list of fireworks that people wanted me to pick up. So, I'll, you know, I'm fairly new employee, So I'm going, yeah, I want to make people happy. Right. So yeah. Okay. I took it and took the sheet of paper and I'm going, that's fine. Everybody's going to pay me back when, when I get home. So back then we'd go to the kit room and you'd pick up the part that you'd think you needed for the fix. But we also had these great big empty cases that, you know, if you had to bring a lot of parts, you could just stuff them all in these empty cases. So I got the idea that what I'll do is I had to go swap out a small tape drive and something and and it was just a tiny part. So I grabbed two of these empty cases. I checked them out of the, the kit room, put my one little part in there and I flew out to Rapid City, did the service call in you know, minutes, right? So on the way back, of course, I go and stop at these local firework stores. And I just loaded those kits up with everything that everybody had on their shopping list, right? So I'm pretty proud of myself, right? I'm going to make a lot of people happy when I get back to Minnesota. So I head back to the airport and I'm standing in line. And those were small airports back then. And I'm talking to Roy. I remember his name. He was the guy, the front gate, or the the ticket counter guy that, you know, knew us because we were always out there. And I set my two cases down on the the baggage check area, and he's talking to me about, oh, how'd the night go for you, and blah, 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 and we're good. And then all of a sudden, Dave, I look up, and I see this big sign on the wall that talks about it's a federal offense to transport uh, firearms or explosives. And I just stopped and I went, Oh my God, I didn't even think about that. And what do I do? And then all of a sudden by then the kits are on the conveyor belt and they're heading towards the the airplane and I'm going, I don't know what to do at this point. Right. I'm just going to kind of go with the flow. And I I got on that flight and I, it was an, an, I think it was about a 45 minute flight. And I tell you, I was nervous as hell through that whole thing. Am I going to get off this plane and the FBI going to be sitting there waiting for me? I didn't know what was going to happen. And I got down to Bay gets checked. The cases were there. I grabbed those cases, threw them in my cart, headed back to the car, got back to the office, and I never did that again.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm sure you made a lot of friends. (laughs) So, John, after you were a CE, you you became a manager then. Do you remember any particular incidents that happened like associated with any of your employees or anything?
1: Well, actually, the one that was really bizarre was – I remember we were there and the, the gal I forget her name, at the front desk called and they needed to locate uh, Harry Keene. And they were like, okay, you know, what's going on? She says, the FBI is here. I'm going, what? Yeah, the FBI wants to talk to Harry Keene. And holy cow, did that buzz go through the office in a matter of minutes. And uh, so, you know, for those that don't recall... Uh, What happened was apparently there was some issue that the FBI was investigating and somebody had reported that a guy that fit the description worked for Hewlett Packard. Uh, Somehow they got Harry's name tied to it. So they came calling and they actually, we had to track down Harry, pull him in. He ended up uh, going into a conference room with the FBI. Uh, It wasn't anything to do with Harry, you know, going on record right now, it wasn't him. He just happened to look like the guy. But talk about uh, everybody being, well, Harry was scared as heck and the rest of us were kind of like, what kind of life is this guy living that we don't really know who he is because Harry was a really good friend. So turned out it was nothing, but uh, made for a lot of excitement.
0: It's one of those things where if it's you that they're calling, you sort of scratch your head and go, what did I do? You know, <laughs> got me <Yeah>. in
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, the office was a special, special place, you know, and I'm not, you know, everybody who talks on this podcast or listens to it—I mean, we all felt the same way. It, it was—it was really about family. Um, you know, the culture at HP was so unique, and you know, what's—it's it's sad is that at the time, as much as I enjoyed that family thing, I didn't realize just how special it was because it was my only job, right? So I thought, well, oh, this is how it always is. But you know, you look back and—and and, you know, that bond that you create with people, you know, from back then is is still, you know, so strong. It was so unique. Um, a lot of times there's a lot of the, the people that were back then were, I'm still doing stuff with now. I'm very, feel very fortunate about this. I mean, we've got golf leagues that uh, we still operate that uh, Kevin Marshall and Todd Youngstrom uh, Gary Blasberg, Dan Lee, Jeff Smith, we're all in the, the same Highland Gulf league now together. We still see each other once a week. Well, you know, once the weather turns nice, uh, we still have the, the Northwoods that you organized actually. Uh, what year did you start that? You remember?
0: Mm, it was John Aiken and I, and I have the record somewhere, but it was early nineties, maybe. I was yeah. just
1: going to say, it's gotta be, you know, 25 years at least, but, uh, I get in on that and, and it's a lot of those same people and, and you know, John Aiken, Doug Kaywood, Jeff Aspinall, Mark Dinkers, Joe Axmaker, right? You know, these are all the people, Desmond, um, Kevin DeMay used to be on there with us and we still talk to him regularly, but once he moved to Vegas, um, he's not in the, the, the Gulf with us anymore. But, you know, to see these folks on a regular basis like that is is so great. Sadly, we should have hung it up a lot sooner, but uh, just last year in the year of COVID, we finally hung up the last HP softball team. Fantasy football, Dave, you, you started that. I took it over for you, I think it was 2001, when you decided you, you weren't going to do the commissioner thing anymore. And we're still going strong on that league. And uh, we've got uh, people involved, John Hoon. Uh, he's kind of the guru. He knows his stuff when it comes to fantasy football. But uh, Kevin Marshall, Todd Youngstrom, Brad Halverson, uh, and Dave danielle they're still in the league with us on doing that. So that's kind of cool. Uh, you, you uh, you know, speaking of the the softball, you know, I talked about that during that, we hung it up. But it was kind of funny because that actually moved us into a whole different world, uh, which you, you are actually a part of now too. Um, but it was after softball. And Desmond was playing with us, and we're sitting on the deck of the Hodge Breath, and we're having our beers and we're talking about it. The last night of softball, and, and Des says, "Hey, you guys," he said, "I joined a curling league at uh, Frogtown, and actually at that time it was Biff Adams, right?" And he says it is so much fun. He says you guys should w- get a team together, and then we can all do stuff together in the winter as well as the you know our summer activities.
0: It's like a little mini reunion of sorts uh, every week, John. And it is amazing when I hear you run through all that, uh, you really exemplify what we've talked about a lot on this podcast, which is how much our working relationships are part of it, but it's really beyond that. It's friendships that have um, you know, gone far beyond being coworkers into being lifelong friends. And, and you just described a lot of that. Why do you think it worked out that way? Uh, what was it about that? Do you have any theories on what it is?
1: You know, it's, it's, I think it kind of, for me, it goes back to the HP way. It, it, It was two different things, right? It's the culture of HP, but, but paired with that HP way element, right? You know, I look back at the HP way. I know you've asked everybody, you know, what, what does the HP way mean to them? But, you know, those five elements were, were so key to HP's culture, and you know, to me, the the trust and respect and the teamwork thing that resonated the most. And, and you know, I still try to live by those principles. And and that again, that creates that that family environment, that mechanism, that you know, it's it's bonds that you know, people leave it. it you can't break the bonds. When I, th- I think about the the HP way, I, the first thing that jumps into my mind, Dave, is is Jack Wombacker. The day that he retired, we had his his retirement party. And I remember he walked up to me and I was sitting at my desk and he, he handed me, and I'm going to show it to you here because it's on my desk, uh, his HP Way pin. And he gave it to me. And he said, John, he says, if anybody exemplifies the HP Way, it's you. And I am going to entrust this to you to carry it forward. And he, hopefully he listens to this. And he might not even remember that story, but that really stuck with me. And it's something that meant a lot. And, and again, I just, that's, that's something that I live by going forward, but that, that family environment was, was really unique, right. You know, the, you know, Paul shermack I remember I just got hired. It was a, just right before the company picnic at the Blaine, um, uh, park there by the water, the Blaine water, or water tower. And I remember I was sitting there and I was with Tom Wittenberg and we're walking around because he and I had uh, buddied up, you know, as soon as I got hired in and uh, also Paul Schermatt came up and uh, he's introduced himself to me and he just started talking, asking all about me. Right. And I'm sitting here going, wow, I'm nervous as hell because this is the office manager and you know, I'm just the new guy. And, and he just, you know, it was just, open conversation about, hey, you know, tell me about you, you know, it's like, what do you like to do? Hey, welcome to HP. It's great to have you, you know, and it, it was just, it was so unique for me, you know, to have a guy with his stature taking time out to talk to me right out of the shoot. I thought that was incredible. And so, so those are the things that, I, you know, when I look back, that's the stuff that made it really special.
0: And John, it doesn't surprise me uh, to hear you uh, relay what, what Jack said about you and the HP way, because I know you were very involved in a lot of the planned activities that uh, HP did for employees for recreation. You were huge into the recreation committee. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, that's uh, when, when I, we found out there was a rec committee, which by the way, I've learned recently that you were one of the uh, reasons that that thing actually started up. But uh, I saw an opportunity to, to get in and, and make an impact. I, I wanted to, I enjoyed organizing things for people to have fun. And, you know, it wasn't just me, right? It was a whole committee, right? It had Kevin Marshall and Crescent Lawrence, Sher Lanigan, uh, Pig Tanzer, Betty Jo Wilson, Shauna Harris, uh, Clara Wells, Sherry Murth, uh, Patty Davis, Tom Wittenberg, Doug Kaywood, Sherry Andrus, Kate Clark, Harry Keen. Christy Starks and Shirley Eklund. I think that was the, I mean, there's people that that came in and I apologize if I missed anybody, but I think that was the, the heavy core team. But we all worked together and some of us had our, our specialties, you know, that we we ran with, right? You know, Kevin and I did the Moonlight Bowling, uh, Harry Keene and Tom Wittenberg, they did the road rally. Those were a lot of fun. Oh, right? yeah. And uh, but one of my favorite stories that I tell people is. Uh, It was something that we organized called Easter Kids. And we would rent this great big bunny suit. And all the employees would bring their kids and their grandkids to the HP cafeteria. And we would have crafts and and cookie decorating and cupcake decorating. And we'd have everything. And, And all of a sudden, the Easter Bunny would make his entrance, right? And luckily, I was able to be the Easter Bunny. So I love doing that, right? Because I had two little kids myself at that time, right? So to influence them and, you know, we got the wife videotaping and all this stuff, you know. So I get, I remember there's one year I I would grab a conference room and I jump into my my Easter bunny uh, costume. And as you can imagine, the heads are huge on those things, right? And you can't like turn your head and look, right? You know, you can only see about a foot in front of you is the the holes for the eyes, right? So you can only really see what's in front of you unless you like bend down or turn your shoulders. So I come from the conference room and I start doing my, I'm starting to hop, right? Well, shoot, I start, you know, cramping up and and pulling turning horses from trying to really hop. So I'm going, okay, this isn't going to work, but I got to do something, right? So then I I switch the bunny hop to more of a, a bunny skip, But at least it kind of got me bouncing a little bit, right? And I remember I came into the, the entrance of the cafeteria, and I'm bouncing away and hopping and skipping. And as you can imagine, the kids, the little kids just get just a frenzy of excitement when they see the bunny coming, right? And what I didn't know at the time was this one little kid stepped in front of me, reached his arms out to give me this great big hug. Unfortunately, I couldn't see him. (laughs) <laughs> right? Because of, of my my tunnel vision that I got. And I remember I'm hopping away and I felt like I just crashed right into a wall. And it's like, what the heck? So I bend my whole body down. I look and here's this little kid just crawled out on the ground, right? So I pick, pick him up and I lift him up in the air. And it looked like, you know, I'm watching this on video after. And it looked like one of those cartoons like Fred Flintstone, right? The legs were just spinning like crazy in the air. And I set him down and he just took off like a bat out of hell. And I don't know if he ever came back to the Easter Bunny after that. But uh, that was one of those things I felt so bad, but uh, that one of the the innocent casualties that happened during that thing.
0: So if there were a hundred kids that saw you over the years, then you're ninety-nine and one. It's it's only that one kid that you ran into. Everybody else really, <laughs> <laughs> really got a lot out of it.
1: You know, Dave, you talk about uh, you know your kids and and how that you know meant something to them, and that that makes me feel special. But you know, I, I got to say the same thing. You know, we we did something very similar to Christmas kids, right? And then same type of thing. You know, cafeteria, crass food, the whole bed. Everybody bring their kids, and uh I didn't, I wasn't able to be the the Santa on that one. I used to be the Santa for the HB Christmas parties, but the guy who had the lock on that was fantastic. It was Bruce Gustison. And it was really, I look back at that and it was so special because Bruce was the Santa from day one and he did a fantastic job. And, and, you know, he looked the part, he played the part and he was just so amazing with the kids but you get your picture, right? And, and over the years of all the, the times that we've gone through these things with our kids, um, it's always been you know, So, you know, the conversations and everything, the kids all related to that. So for many years of all those kids that believe in Santa, uh, they'd come back and, and now my kids look at it now and they go, that was that was amazing, right? To, to have the one guy that did it nonstop and just played the part to the T. Uh, I got to thank Bruce, you know, I'm hoping Bruce listens to this, but Bruce, you are amazing. And I can't thank you enough for what you did for that.
0: I totally agree. And I'll, I'll tell you, not only was he really an absolute perfect Santa, he was so gentle and kind to those kids uh, that no one was afraid of him. He was also a great manager. He was kind of, a, you know, I believe in Santa Claus because he was my manager for a while and and he was great for me. So he he was great, not only as a Santa, but as a manager too. So, John, we've talked a little bit about all the the friendships and long-term relationships that you make when you work at HB in St. Paul, but you're an example of somebody who maybe took that concept uh, to the extreme, if you will. Uh, You actually married a colleague. Do you want to talk about Gina a little bit?
1: Well, so here's how this went down, Dave. You know, as a lot of us nicknamed. it was we we called it the HP love boat, right? Because there was a lot of inter office relationships going on, and and some lasted, and you know some didn't. Back in you know there was a, a big crowd of matchmaking going on there, especially in the contracts department. So back in '89, uh, HP uh, merged with Apollo Computing, and Apollo that was a great company, right? They had a lot of the same type of cultures and family uh, that we had. And and that group came over and they they fit in right away. And I remember in particular there was this one gal that was in the contracts department, Gina Natchukis, right? And you know she was pretty darn cute, you know, and had big hair and that looked pretty cool back then, and still still does now. We like to say that you know Gina and I just we wore our company hats pretty tight, and that was just our way to to complete the merger. Right, so, <laughs> but uh, seriously, you know, I, I, I it was funny because I, she was a golfer, and you know, she's kind of a tomboy and, and into the sports, and and I really appreciated that, right? And uh, so I heard when and when, and we'd make small talk and we'd talk to different things and we'd do the whole group thing, you know, it was safe, right? You know, we'd all go to softball games together, we'd all go out together, but. But uh, one time I worked up enough courage and I, I asked her if she wanted to go golfing. So I remember that she ran into Connie Zink's office. Hey, Con, you know, John, John Proctor asked me out to go golfing. Can I take the time off? Well, like I say, that whole admin crowd, they were like, you know, mini matchmakers, right? You know, oh yeah. You know, you go, you know. So Gene and I went on August 1st, 1990. We had our first date. I uh, went over to Highland golf nine holes. I thought it'd be a good guy. I'd give her two strokes on a par five. I'd give her um, one stroke on the par fours. And actually it was, you know, three on the par fives, two on the par fours and a stroke on the par threes. Well, I didn't realize, but she whooped me bad because she's a pretty good golfer. So then I knew that was the girl for me. So we ended up getting married in, in uh, 92. And I uh, got two wonderful daughters out of that that are, are, uh, doing well. In fact, we just ended up had uh, in December, we had a COVID wedding of, uh, for one of them and we got the other one coming up in July. So we were, uh, getting ready to, to, uh, get those girls on their own life.
0: Well, that's fantastic. It's a great story. And yeah, it's not surprised, pr- surprising to me since she's, uh, such an avid sports Person that uh, you guys hit it off, but there is an element to that that you had to overcome, John. Um, you want to talk? About, I know this personally, so tell me about that. Yeah, so so it
1: is a mixed marriage because, as uh, of many people from the office remember, uh, I grew up in Green Bay. Uh, I uh, still wear my green and gold pretty pretty tight, and a huge Packer fan. Right. Well, Gina being a sports advocate. Uh, is from Richfield, Minnesota, and she wears the purple pretty tight, right? So we still have our annual gatherings. Every time there's a Packer Viking, we have a party. And uh, you know, it's the rule is whatever you put up stays up. You can't touch it. So we get a lot of purple stuff in one room and green stuff in the other room, but uh, it makes for some interesting uh, banter
0: going on. Thanks a lot, John. Appreciate you joining me today. I'm really looking forward to the time when We can not talk about COVID and we can just talk about all these uh, stories and start uh, continuing to build more stories for the future. So thanks again for joining me. You bet, buddy. Good talking to you. Thanks for listening. Larpenter Life is produced solely by me, Dave Carey. It's not affiliated or sponsored by HP in any way. I'd love to hear from you, and especially I'd love to have you as a guest. It's not difficult, so please drop me a line at larpenterlife at gmail.com. Until next time, take care, everybody.